Come on, put your hands together. We came to celebrate the name of the Lord, that powerful name, the name that's able to protect us, the name that's able to lift us and shield us from our enemies. Anybody want to celebrate that awesome name with me? The writer said, the Lord is my strength. He is my fortress. He's my deliverer. He's my God, and he is my rock. So let's lift our voices together and shout unto the name. Morning, Strong Tower, family and friends. Welcome to our 10.30 a.m. Sunday morning service. In just a few moments, our very own pastor, Dr. Chris Williamson, will be bringing a timely word. If you have prayer requests or would like to give online, be sure to log on to our website or app at www.strongtowerbiblechurch.com. And now, without further ado, here is our pastor, Dr. Chris Williamson. Strong Tower Bible Church, would you turn in your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Isaiah chapter 55. That's the Old Testament book of Isaiah chapter 55. And as you're turning there, there's a song that I want to quote this morning. Oh, boy, I wish I could sing it because I would. But, you know, I can't. God didn't give me that ability, but I can quote it. And it's an old Martha Munizzi song. And that song is in my spirit this morning. And it says, because of who you are, I give you glory. Because of who you are, I give you praise. Because of who you are, I will lift my voice and sing. Lord, I worship you because of who you are. And that's so awesome and powerful, that thought, that when we consider who God is, that changes everything about us, when we know who he is. And so my question today as your pastor is, do you know who God is? So when we sing the song, because of who you are, uh, do we know who God is? And so today, I want to remind us just some of the things about God, about who he is, that we might find comfort and stability in these uncertain times. All right. We've got to know who he is because we have uh, people running for the highest office in the land. President Donald Trump and Vice President Joe Biden, along with their running mates, Kamala Harris, and Mike Pence, they are running to lead the country. And so we're in the midst of election season and there's a whole lot of shaking going on. There's a whole lot of division in the land. There's a whole lot of sensationalism. Um, and so as God's people, as we're gonna see today, it's so tempting to just focus on man. But I'm here to encourage you, to lift up your eyes to the hills from whence come your help, your help, my help. It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Men, women have their place. But let's look at the one who told the moon, that's your place and you stay there. To the sun, that's your place. And I will take my rightful place as the one who sits above the circle of the earth. The one who sits in the highest heavens. The one who sits high and looks low. Because of who he is, I can live differently down here. 
So I want to speak truth into your life that faith may also usher in and that you and I would not waver from unbelief during this season, that we will not be ruled by what we see, but we will recognize the one that we cannot see rules all things. So let's pray. Daddy, would you teach us a word today? Father, would you instruct us today? You are the wise one. You are the wonderful counselor. So Lord, would you impart some of that wisdom, some of that counsel to us today by your word, through your Holy Spirit, and through these lips of clay. Speak to me, speak through me, God, and speak to your people. Because there's a world that's dying out here that needs to see you in action through us. And they need to hear who you are from us. Thank you, Jesus. Have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. No matter who is elected on November 3rd, God is in control. Amen. No matter who is elected or who will be re-elected, God is in control. No matter who we vote for, God is in control. I'll take it a step further and say, no matter who we vote for, God has already predetermined who is going to be the next president of the United States. So we may vote, but God elects. I'm going to show you from the word today that nothing happens without God's sovereignty and providence making it happen. Yet somehow he allows men and women to operate in the earth with free will, and we think that we're making it happen. But no, no, no. God's will supersedes man's will while not violating man's will. It is a mystery, but all I know, and I don't know a lot, all I know is that God is in control. God is in charge. Not man, not circumstances, and certainly not the devil. God is in control. God's people, if we get that today, it'll help us with our peace of mind. God's people, if we can get that concept today, it will help us with our tranquility. It will help us with our assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Not so much my candidate is mine, my uh, uh, party politically is mine. No, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Oh, I wish I could sing, but I can't. But I can quote scripture today about the God who elects. Because we think that it's the popular vote and the electoral college that determines the president. No, 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 no. It is God choosing uh, to operate from the Electoral College in heaven that determines the next president of the United States. Let me prove it to you. Proverbs 16, the Bible says the lot is cast in the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. So the lots, they were the holy dice in the Old Testament, the umum and the thumum uh, that they were cast in order to discern and determine the will of God because they did not have the word of God. They did not have the Holy Spirit of God. And if they didn't have a prophet of God, they would grab the holy dice, if you will. They would cast it in the lap or, or cast it in someone's garment. 
and they would cast, but God would determine the outcome of how the dice would roll. Every decision is from the Lord. So God will not find out the next president of the United States when we find out. He already knows because he's already chosen the person. Therefore, if the candidate you voted for doesn't win on Tuesday, November 3rd, your world should not fall apart on Wednesday, November 4th. Can I say that one more time? If the candidate that you vote for on November 3rd or before does not win, your world should not fall apart on Wednesday, November 4th. And conversely, if the candidate that you vote for on Tuesday wins, your world should not automatically get better on November 4th because your times are not in the hands of men. Your times are in the hands of God. And so if there is a defeat, don't live there. If there is a victory, don't depend on it. We need to depend on the Lord no matter who is president. People of God, we must trust God because he and his ways are higher than our ways. Mm -hmm. There are things that God will do that we'll never understand, that we'll never comprehend, and we will not always agree with. And so therefore, when those things occur, the question on the floor is, will we still trust him? Will we still have faith in him? Will we still believe in him when he does things directly or allows them indirectly, things that we may not agree with, may not like, will we still trust him? And I pray that you will, because where else are you going to go? Who else are you going to trust in? You're going to trust in horses and chariots. You're going to trust in political parties. You're going to ride with the blue or ride with the red. No, 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 no. I hope you're riding with the one who rode for you, who rode from heaven to earth to die on Calvary's cross and rise again from the dead. I hope that's who you're riding with and not so much riding with these parties and, and, and pop political places down here. They had their place, just not first place. He has first place, which is why he says, seek first the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of men. I have a citizenship. Yeah, I'm glad to be a citizen of America. Yes, I'm thankful to be born here in the United States, but I have a citizenship that is also in heaven. And that citizenship overrides this citizenship. This citizenship will end. That citizenship knows no end. This citizenship is in a fallen world. That citizenship is in a brand new heavens and a brand new earth. And so that's the world I'm living for. So that's why I'm in this place, but I'm not of this place. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, not on men and women and politics and systems of the world. So it has its place. Second place. So we see in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8, God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So the prophet Isaiah is speaking to a rebellious people. As a matter of fact, 
he has just witnessed the northern kingdom of Israel go into captivity to Assyria. And so now he has pivoted and he has begun to preach to Israel's sister Judah in the south to tell her you need to learn from what happened to Israel. Israel has been spanked in love by God. And if you don't change your ways, you will be spanked as well. And so for 35 years, the prophet Isaiah preaches to a group of people who have eyes but do not see, who have ears but do not hear. And so he's preaching and preaching, saying to them, repent, get right with God or else. And guess what? Or else came. And that would be the Babylonians who would come upon the southern kingdom and just wreak havoc upon them. And so he's preaching, but they're not listening. So God must bring judgment upon the people. But Isaiah also reminds them there will be restoration and consolation after the whipping, after the 70 year Babylonian captivity. But oh, had they listened to the Lord, which is why God said, my ways are higher than your ways and, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You need to know me more than you seek to know yourself, because without knowing me, you can never truly know yourself. It's not about what you think. It's about what I think. And you must adjust your thinking to my thoughts. You must adjust your ways to my ways. If you do not. There will be consequences and repercussions. And unfortunately, Judah had to learn the hard way. And I hope you and I don't always have to learn the hard way. That God can hold his breath longer than we can hold our breath when we have a temper tantrum. You ever see a child uh, throw a temper tantrum in a grocery store when he or she can't get candy? or he or she can't get ice cream, and the parents say no, and the, and the kid falls out. The kid, you know, starts screaming, and the parent is just sitting there like, are you finished? Now, some of us will, will put some leather on that hide, but, but the parent is just sit there and wait. Kid may even say, I'm going to hold my breath until I get what I want. And the parents are like, you, you can hold your breath till you turn purple, blue, and pass out. You're still not getting this candy. And as far as God is concerned, we can wail, we can cry and complain and moan and murmur just like the children of Israel. But God is going to be God. And at some point, we need to realize God's not changing. We must change. So we must submit our will to his. So therefore, it will go well with us. So Israel, Judah, rather, they chose to throw a tantrum and God had to send the Babylonians for them. So his ways, his thoughts, his methods are different from our methodology. We must trust God. Nevertheless, we must trust God because he's sovereign and because he's providential. To be sovereign means that God rules over all things. To be providential means that God works. In all things. Sovereignty, he rules all things. Providence, he works in all things. Some people will begin this election season looking to God, 
saying, God, since you rule all things, that's where my eyes will be. That's where my focus will be. I will look to the Lord. I will look at the Lord, whereas others, unfortunately, others even in the body of Christ who will go through this season looking primarily and exclusively at men and looking to men. And I'm here to say that if that's where your focus is, expect to be disappointed. We've got to look higher than man. We must, as people of faith, look to the God, as it says in the book of Hebrews, that Moses persevered because he saw him who was invisible. We've got to see the God that we cannot see. Isaiah 45, 22 says, look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. God is saying, look to me, church. Look to me. Look at me and be saved. Oh, God, may we have a vision to look at the Lord today. Because if we don't establish this necessary baseline of uh, uh, we've got to look at God, we've got to see him more than we see man. If we don't establish this necessary baseline of looking at God and trusting in him during this political season, we will only be manipulated, frustrated discombobulated, discombobulated, mesmerized, and stupefied during this season. We must lift our eyes and see the one who is invisible. Therefore, we need a theological refresher course. We need a theological refresher course because if we don't have right theology, we're going to have messed up sociology. Did you hear that? If our theology isn't right, then our living will be wrong. So who we look to and what we believe about him has all of the bearings in the world on those of us who say we follow him because we get our dictates from above, not from below. And so we are in this place, but not of this place. We've been born from above, so we must get information from above, which is found in God's word. And we must live accordingly based on the truth, because the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. Oh, we've got to realize today that God's in charge. Matter of fact, let, let me go ahead and call this message God's in charge. It reminds me of a sitcom many years ago. I never watched it, but it was called Charles in Charge. Never watched it. But today I'm going to grab it for this title to say God's in Charge. If you watched it, don't tell nobody. All right, let's go to the first point. Sovereignty is God ruling over all things. First point, sovereignty is God ruling over all things, including government. Okay? Sovereignty means that God does whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, and with whomever he wants. That's sovereignty. He does whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, with whomever he wants. Sovereignty means that God is the ultimate someone who is over everyone, and he needs no one, and he answers to no one. 
That, that, that's sovereignty, sovereign. He reigns over all. Sovereignty means that God does not owe anyone an explanation about anything. He's the sovereign one, which is why when we talk about his kingdom, we're talking about the king having dominion. Jesus is the king of all kings, sovereign. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess. The Lord is going to make all of Jesus' enemies a footstool. Jesus is going to hand the kingdom back to God the Father. God reigns. Jesus reigns. Everything and everyone is under him, rightfully so. Every person, every realm, every sphere, every dimension, every demon, every devil is under Jesus Christ. Every circumstance, every problem, everything is under God. Nothing is above him. Nothing is over him. He is the most high. So if we don't have our theology right, our sociology is going to be jacked up. So let's begin with that today during this election season. When it's going to be topsy-turvy, up and down, in and out, God is sovereign and he remains the same. He is the rock who will not roll. He is stable. He is a sure foundation. He is God and he is God all by himself. Psalm 103 verse 19 says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Romans 13, 1, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. So as we look at that verse, all of the governing authorities, the only way they have authority is that God gave them the authority. When Jesus stood bleeding and bludgeoned before Pilate, Jesus told Pilate in John chapter 19, after Pilate erroneously said, don't you know that I have the power to let you live or let you go? Jesus had to correct his theology and say to him, you would have no power over me if it was not given to you from above. So the only way you are here today is because my father granted you that ability today to be the governor of Rome and to be over Jerusalem and over presiding over this crucifixion. You didn't get here by yourself. The Bible says in Paul's writings, I believe in first Corinthians, what do we have from the Lord that we did not receive? There's nothing we had that we did not receive, which is why the Bible says naked we came, naked we'll go, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. So, so everything we have, we've received from God, even titles, even thrones, even power, even offices come from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by him. Psalm 75, verses 6 and 7. For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. That's what God does. He puts one ruler down. He puts one ruler up. He puts one ruler down. He puts one ruler up. There is no ruler who's ever been exalted that God did not put in that place, whether that leader was righteous or unrighteous. More on that later. And there's no leader who left an office, who died in office, who left a place that God did not put down. 
There's nothing that happens without God's divine permission and approval and enablement. Nothing in this life from a worm that's crawling and an amoeba in the ground, an atom in, in, our, in our bodies. Nothing happens without God's awareness, God's enablement, God's empowerment. He, he, he's over everything, not just some things, not just good things, but everything. Psalm 22, verse 28, for the kingdom is the Lord's. The kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. Daniel 4.25, the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. He gives it to whomever he chooses. So God has the power to endow men and women with authority. So even when the devil tempted the Lord Jesus Christ and says, if you worship me, I'll give you the kingdoms of the earth. You don't have to go to Calvary to get the people. I'll give you the people now. He could offer that because God had offered that authority to Adam when God gave Adam and Eve dominion over the earth. But when they sinned, they lost that dominion. And Satan became the God of this world, small g, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. So the world is the enemies. It is Satan's. He is over this system that is against God. So he is the God of this world. He's the prince of the power of the air. But even what he has... Yea, he got it from Adam, but that came from God. And God is about to take it back from him. And even in the midst of Satan having the authority, Jesus rose up from the dead and said in Matthew 28, all authority. The Greek word is ekousia. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and where else? On the earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all ethnic groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe what I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So you're in a fallen world, but you're worshiping and living for a risen Jesus. He's given us authority. Why? Because he has all authority. Oh, Lord, I'm about to shout and tear something up in here. Thank you, Lord. The most high rules, not man. The most high rules, not the devil. The most high rules, not circumstance. The most high rules. And as we believe that today, it changes how we walk. It changes how we talk when we believe that. And I'm here to say to you, what else are you going to believe? Who else are you going to believe? Man who fails, yourself who fails, but the God who never fails. Oh, man, it shouldn't even be uh, an option for us. He's sovereign. And because he's sovereign, God has appointed every leader over the course of human history. So that means he has appointed Pharaoh. He's appointed Nebuchadnezzar. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah 25, verse 9, God said that this ungodly king, this king who worshiped the moon god and other gods, God said, he's my servant. He's my instrument, and I'm going to play him and use him to bring about my purposes on my children. Uh, this lets us know that Pilate was appointed by God. And every king in Israel and Judah was appointed by God. Even the unrighteous ones. And in the northern kingdom, all of those kings were ungodly. There was not one godly king in the northern kingdom. But in the southern kingdom of Judah, you had David, you had Hezekiah, you had Josiah. There were some good guys, but not in the north. 
So they didn't get to the throne and God said, hey, who's that on the throne? Oh, that's an evil person. I got to get rid of them. No, God allowed those evil people to get to the throne because he has purposes, ways, thoughts that are beyond our ways and thoughts. And he is working everything to a redemptive end for his glory and eventually for our good. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. God is working everything to a redemptive end for his glory and then for our good. Even when it's bad, it's still going to be good. Even when it hurts, it's still going to be all right. We may not see it now, but we will understand it better by and by. So he's working. He's sovereign. He's over everything. That means he also appointed Nero. That means he appointed Joseph Stalin. That means the Lord even appointed Mussolini. And the Lord appointed Hitler. Because if God didn't do it, who did? The devil? He doesn't have that kind of authority. God is the one who appoints and gives kingdoms to men. And he's the one who will even work through evil. And we'll see that in a minute when we look at providence. But he's over everything. And if he doesn't do it directly, he allows it to happen indirectly. But ultimately, it all rolls uphill to God. He's responsible for his earth, his world, his universe. And he can handle that. And our theology has to say, not only does he rule, but he's good. Even when things are bad, he is merciful. Even when life hurts, he is life. Even when rulers bring death. We must trust him even still. And this also means that this sovereign Lord appointed every president of the United States from George Washington all the way to President Trump. From those who were deists, those who were racists and slave traders and slave owners and segregationists and godly people, good people. He even appointed President Obama. And he even appointed President Trump. We've got to trust him that his ways are higher than our ways. Even if you didn't vote for either one of those guys, he elected both of those guys. Can you trust him even when you don't like it? Can you trust him or are you going to throw a temper tantrum? Just because God appoints someone, that doesn't mean that they're going to be righteous. That doesn't mean that they're going to do good. That just means they were appointed by God. And we need to respect the position, even when we have trouble respecting the person. David teaches us that with Saul, because if you dig into that, man, God did not go after Saul as his perfect will. No, Saul was God's permissive will because they chose a king over God. Go back and read first Samuel. It wasn't time for the people to have a king. Eventually they would get one because the scepter would not depart from Judah. We see in the book of Genesis as a prophecy about there would be a king, a lion from the tribe of Judah who would reign. And that's speaking ultimately of Jesus. So there would be this monarchy for the people of God operating in the midst of a theocracy. But there was a time for it. But the people jumped the gun and they said, we want a king now. And so they chose Saul. Why? Because he looked good. They chose Saul because he was taller than everybody. But Paul, Saul lacked integrity. <laughs> he looked good, but he wasn't right. 
And it showed up over time. Now, God tried to work with him and be merciful. But at the end of the day, Saul was a horrible man who was jealous of David, who was a man after God's own heart. And so God is the one who allows all the rulers to rule, whether they're righteous or unrighteous. But secondly and finally, providence is God working in all things, including politics. Election, or rather a sovereignty, is God ruling over all things, including government. Providence is God working in all things, including politics or the science of leading people, the science of governing people, politics on the local level, on the federal level, politics. Providence means that God works in all things, even bad things for his glory and eventually for our good. Providence has been said that it's the hand of God in the glove of history. That's providence, providence, that God is working things in the midst of our journey in order to get the glory, in order to bless us for our good. Providence, he's working, which is why Romans 8, 28 is one of our favorite verses, because the Bible says uh, uh, we know. We, and again, you got to know some things. We know that all things, not 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 some things. We, we know that all things work together. We got to believe that we know that all things work together for good. For those who love God, anybody love God and those who are called according to his purpose, anybody called. In other words, God can still hit a bullseye with a crooked stick. God can still make crooked paths straight. God can still get us right where he wants us to go when we take detours, i.e. Jonah. He'll send a whalogram to get you over there to Nineveh. So he works all things together. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That's providence. He allows us to stand on our feet, even though we fall. A just man may fall seven times, but we rise up again. Why? Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. Providence, he's working it out, and he's even going to use our failures, our shortcomings, our problems as parts of our testimony. He'll turn a test into a testimony. He'll get the glory, even when things are really bad. My goodness, thank you, Jesus. Providence means that God can provide a way when there is no way. When you're trapped between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army, he can provide a way through the sea. And not only a way, but he can allow it to be dry when you walk through. And not only that, he can close it when the enemy comes in pursuit. That's providence. He's a provider. Providence, God working in all things, making a way out of no way. He provided a ram in the bush just when Abraham was about to sacrifice his son Isaac. And God says, no, stop it. Now I know that you fear me. And then all of a sudden he sees a ram in the bush. You mean to tell me he didn't see that ram no other time? It just appeared from out of nowhere? <laughs> Why not? He's the God who can create ex nihilo, something out of nothing. Or if it was there, God shielded his vision so he couldn't see it until the right time. Providence. My God, oh, I'm about to shout up in here, strong tower. Providence, providence is all in the book of Esther. You will not find the name of God written in the book of Esther, but boy, do you see his fingerprints all over the book. And one way we see providence in Esther is when the king, 
cannot sleep. The king who's married to Esther, he just cannot sleep. And on the night that he can't sleep, it's the same night that Haman, the enemy of the Jews, is building gallows in order to hang Mordecai from. And he's going to come into the king's bedroom the next morning to say to the king, give me the authority to hang Haman. But the night that the king can't sleep of all nights, it wasn't Monday, it wasn't Tuesday, it was the right day. Whatever day that was, the king couldn't sleep. And so they brought to him the chronicles. Just like when you can't sleep, you want to read something to put you to sleep. So they read to him the chronicles. And he hears about an attack on his life, a plot to kill him that was thwarted. How was it thwarted? A man named Mordecai stepped in and saved the king's life. Well, the king didn't know what happened. And so the king said, wow, this man saved my life. Have we done anything for him? And they said, no. The king said, who is the man? They said, it's Mordecai. And so right when Haman walks in with the plan to kill Mordecai is when the king says to Haman, I want you to bless Mordecai because Mordecai saved my life. That's providence. That's not an accident. That's not coincidence. That's providence. And I hope you got some stories in your life that you could testify and say, man, that was providence. That was God's timing. That was God's provision. That wasn't happenstance. That wasn't circumstance. That was God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. First king. Chapter 12, verse 15, it says, so the king did not listen to the people for this turn of events was from the Lord that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord had spoken by Ahijah, the Shilonite to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. So God will turn events. God will turn events. That's providence. And God will turn and put one leader in place and turn and put another leader down. And he'll put a leader in place because he has ways that are higher than our ways and thoughts that are higher than our thoughts. And that's when we got to trust him when we can't trust the leader. We got to look to him when what we look at the leader about doesn't look right. We got to trust God through it all. My God. So in conclusion, there are things that God will do that won't make sense to us. But that's all right, because I don't want a God who makes total sense to me. You may want a God like that. And usually when people have a God like that, it's a God that they created. But I worship the creator and I cannot and I refuse to try to put him in a box that I can control, a box that I can figure out. A God who gets on my agenda rather than me getting on his agenda. So I want a God whose ways are higher than my ways. I couldn't even get through geometry in high school. I went to algebra two, then I went into geometry. I didn't go higher than geometry. People were taking calculus. Man, I can't understand all them numbers. Man, people were, you know, doing the engineering stuff. I didn't go out there in, in those uh, sheds where they were out there building motors and stuff. Man, I don't know how that stuff works. I didn't go into the electrical classes because I'm not an electrician. I just flipped the switch and thank God for electricity. I'm not that smart. So the last thing I want to do is have a God that I know everything about. No, I'm still learning. And that's why when we get to heaven, John 17, 3, Jesus says, this is eternal life. That they might know 
the, the only true God and Jesus whom you have sent. So what is eternal life? It is the knowledge of God. It is getting to know God because the more you know, the more you worship. The more you know, the more you worship. And throughout all eternity, we'll never get to say we know everything there is to know about God because God is inexhaustible. He is without an end. As soon as you say, whoa, look at that glory right there, God says, huh, let me show you something else. And we go, whoa, look at that glory right there. And, we, and God says, hmm, let me show you something else. And that's how it's going to be for all eternity. Getting to know this God and being blown away by who he is because of who you are. Thank you, Jesus. Can I get a witness in the house today? And so there are things that God will do that won't make sense to us because he's sovereign. And he doesn't ask for our permission. He doesn't ask for our opinion. He's God. Which means he has the right to offend us. And, and then we must ask, who are we? Who are we? We just need to say, Lord, thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that I'm alive in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for my daily bread. I don't need to tell God how to run the affairs of the universe and the world, especially for those of us who like to try to take charge all the time and tell other people how they should do their job. You can't even do your job. Let God do his job. He gonna do his job. You just might as well admit and acknowledge that it is so and sit down somewhere. And trust him at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day and throughout the day. Just trust him. Nothing is going to happen without his approval. Nothing is going to happen that's going to surprise him. So God's people, the church, act like Jesus is the head. Act like Jesus is the cornerstone. Act like Jesus is the Lord. Act like Jesus is the rock. Act like Jesus is the one who's in charge. Not Charles. Jesus is in charge. Thank you, Lord. You know, Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. The king's heart, the governor's heart, the president's heart is in the hands of the Lord. And we see this in the book of Exodus when Pharaoh would harden his heart on his own volition. But then God would also harden Pharaoh's heart. Why? He's the potter. We're the clay. We can't question the potter. He does what he wants. So Pharaoh's going to be held accountable for his choices. But God is also sovereign to also stir and lead Pharaoh where he wanted him to go. God told Moses, he said, now look here, go preach to that man and tell him to let my people go. But he's going to harden his heart and not let you go. And he's not going to let you go until there's been a fight that's going to go on back and forth. But I'm going to bring you out of this and we're going to get you into the promised land. Which is why when Moses went to his first trial with Pharaoh, like, oh, man, he, he didn't told the people to make bricks without straw. And, and he goes back to God. God, I thought you said we're going to get out. And God has said, I told you we're going to get out, but you're going to go through some things till you get out because I got to teach Pharaoh a lesson and I got to teach my people a lesson because my ways are higher than your ways. Stick to the game plan and just preach. Trust me. Preach. And I'm just here to say strong tower. He can turn the heart of the king, because whether they're sitting in the Oval Office or they're sitting in a palace somewhere, God is the one who turns the heart. Carrie Underwood sang a song years ago. Jesus, take the wheel. 
And it's a song to encourage people to pray because apparently the song talks about someone in a hard situation and maybe even a literal car crash. And they're crying out, Jesus, take the wheel before I crash. And that's good. And we should always cry out, Lord, help me, Lord, save me, Lord, deliver me, Lord, step into this. But good theology reminds us that, yes, we may ask the Lord to take the wheel. But good theology says, I got to remember that the Lord already has his hands on the wheel. Oh, I can't get no help today. <laughs> I don't have to ask him to take the wheel. He's already turning and guiding him for the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He, he's directing my steps. He's got the wheel. Matter of fact, he is the wheel. He's the wheel that's in the middle of a wheel. I just got to trust him and believe that. Hmm. I remember when I was in high school. Man, I wanted to drive like my other friends, but my parents, they didn't trust me behind the wheel of, a, of an automobile. So I didn't get my license until after I graduated from high school. And so once I graduated, I wanted to get my license. So I went to driver's ed. And in driver's ed back then, they had that kind of car with two steering wheels. <laughs> I had one and the instructor had one. And uh, the instructor took me out and I'm on the wheel and I'm trying to do my thing. But if I started going into a path of destruction, the instructor grabbed his steering wheel and corrected the car. Because although I had control, I did not have ultimate control because the instructor, his steering wheel overrode my steering wheel. <laughs> I just stopped by here today to let somebody know that the president may steer this thing. Oh, oh, and steer on, Mr. President, whoever you are, steer on, but don't get it twisted. God is sitting in the other seat. Matter of fact, he's sitting in the throne room from on high and he's got his hands on the steering wheel. And like rivers of water, he'll steer the king to steer the nation, to steer the nations to the place that he wants it to be. Why? Because he's sovereign. Why? Because he's providential. Why? Because he's God all by himself and beside him there is no other. That's who we've got to worship during this season. Hey man, I love Biden. I love Trump, but I love God more. Hey man, I'm looking to these guys to lead America and make it better no matter who's leading but man I'm looking ultimately to God is anybody with me today oh praise the Lord thank you Jesus he's steering he's in control and not only that he's in control of your life he's in control of your situation don't you give up on God because he hasn't given up on you Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for being in control. Thank you, Lord, that it's your breath in my lungs that allows me to preach today. And so I'm pouring out my praise back to you. Lord, it's in you that I live and that I move and that I have my being. Lord, we're able to sit and watch this sermon today because you have allowed it, Lord. And so therefore, may we acknowledge and recognize your sovereignty in all things, your providence in all things, and Lord, live accordingly. So Lord, lift off of us the burden, this stress of worrying, about what's going to happen. Lord, you know what's going to happen. And so, Lord, may we be at rest just like you're at rest. May we be at peace because you are the Prince of Peace. Might we be stable because you are the rock. Bless this church. Bless this country. For we pray it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, praise God, church. Does anybody have a hallelujah in their heart, yet alone in their mouth? Can, can somebody just say hallelujah? 
Hallelujah. Lord, all of the glory belongs to you. Thank you, God. And may we be the people who are setting our mind on things above, not on things below. Strong Tower, get your focus right this week. Seek the Lord and you will find him. Seek the Lord and you will be at peace. Seek the Lord and vote. Seek the Lord and pray. Seek the Lord and participate in civic organizations. Seek the Lord and run for office. Keep everything in its proper perspective. And watch God blow your mind and prayerfully turn things around. Let's pray. To the God who turns the hearts of the kings, Lord, we pray that you would turn things around in this country for our children and for our children's children. That, Lord, the church would rise up knowing when to be prophetic and calling out sin and calling out unrighteousness and speaking the truth in love. And might we also know when to be pastoral, when to shepherd people, when to bring people close, when to protect and stand up for the rights of those who are being violated. Lord, would you show us how to be lions and lambs? Would you show us how to be salt and light? Would you show us, Lord, how to interact in this world while knowing, Lord, that our citizenship is from above? Lord, I pray a special anointing on this house. Bless this house. Bless this church to be a blessing. Show us how to interact with friends and relatives and discuss politics without arguing, without debating. But Lord, show us how to dialogue in doing this. Help us to use social media as a tool to teach people about the king and his kingdom. May we not get caught up in the rigmarole and the minutia of things down here. May we participate, but Lord, may we not be dominated by politics. Thank you, God. So bless us to be a blessing. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen, Strong Tower. If you haven't early voted, uh, uh, take care of that. Uh, be safe. Put your mask on. If you're going out to the polls, uh, 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 do your part. And always leave room knowing that God's going to do his part. Have a blessed day. And Lord willing, we'll see you for Bible study. Amen. Thank you for joining us today at Strong Tower Bible Church, where Dr. Chris Williamson is senior pastor. We hope you enjoyed worshiping with us and will join us next Sunday morning right here for our 1030 a.m. service. Be sure to stay informed on upcoming Strong Tower Bible Church events and activities. Download the Strong Tower Bible Church app in the App Store or visit our website at www.strongtowerbiblechurch.com. We pray you have a blessed, wonderful, and safe remainder of the day. And we'll see you next week, same time, right here at the Tower.